Well, as I said, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, this is, like I said, my first time up here. I'm really excited uh, about it. Um, now, I'm just going to say out front, this might look and feel a little bit different than what David does. I think that's okay. I think there's something healthy about a different voice and, and seeing things a different way and all of that. And so I just encourage you maybe to uh, kind of release any expectations you might have or any things that you're holding about uh, what you're expecting based on what you hear from David and uh, kind of get into what God wants to, to hear and, and tell you and all that kind of stuff this morning. Uh, as he said, we're in our series called Ghost Stories, and so it's a series about the Holy Spirit where we are looking at who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does and kind of a play on the, the Holy Ghost kind of translation of that in uh, October and all that kind of fun stuff. And this morning, we're going to look at specifically one thing that he does, and it's the idea of him being the teacher of all things. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of all things. We're going to unpack what that means. We're going to talk about all that. Before we do, though, I want to pray because I'm going to be honest. If it's just me up here rambling for this whole time, it doesn't mean anything unless God's a part of it, unless he's here doing it. So I want to pray that he would be here in this moment and be in our hearts. So if you'll pray with me, God, we come before you right now expectantly. We come before you knowing that when your word is preached that you are actively involved and that your word never comes back void. And so in this moment, I pray that you would be with us, that you would be with me as I speak, that what I say, and the utterances that come from my mouth would be given from you, and that you would be in each one of our hearts, that you would help us to hear what you have for us, and whether that's one thing, whether that's two things, whether that's ten things, whatever that might be, that you would help us to focus on the things in Jesus' name, amen. So I'm curious, uh, by a raise of hands, and yes, I'm looking for audience participation in this moment, by a raise of hands, how many of you out there have ever tried to learn a foreign language? All right, lots of hands, right? Lots of hands. So lots of us have tried. Uh, I don't know how it was for you. Uh, for me, uh, it was kind of hard. I took three years of French in high school, um, and before you're like, why in the world would you learn French? You gotta remember, I didn't grow up in Southern California. So I didn't grow up right next to Mexico. I grew up in Minnesota, which is right next to Canada, right? In Canada, in Canada, some places speak French. So I was like, it's far more likely that I'm going to use French than any other language being next to Canada. Uh, but also, I don't know if you've ever, like, listened to someone speak French, but it's like a beautiful language. And, like, you could say things that are, like, really gross in French, and it sounds, like, really great, and you're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And they're like, well, if you knew what I just said. Uh, but it's just a beautiful language. So I was like, well, okay, so beautiful language. I might use it in Canada. Sounds great. Did it for three years. Um, I'm going to be honest. I've lost a lot of it at this point. And so if you come up to me afterwards because you know French, you start speaking to me in French, you're going to get a blank stare. And I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what you're saying. Um, I don't know how you are. Maybe I know there's people out there that when they try to learn a foreign language, like they can get it. Like they pick it up really easily. They can learn it really fast. So I don't know if, if you've ever tried where you fall in that. Maybe you've known someone that's one way or the other. But one thing I do know is I have never met a person who has learned a foreign language without some form of help. Right? And that could be a person. That could be uh, a book. That could be nowadays an app. All, I've never, maybe you have. I've never met a person who learned a foreign language without any help whatsoever. Right? 
when we're learning foreign languages, when we're learning something like that, we need someone to help us. We need someone to give us instruction, to teach us, right? For instance, if you were walking down the road and you saw this, how many of you would have any idea what that means? Right? I wouldn't. I, I mean, I know what it is, but I wouldn't know what it's saying. Right? Like, that's ancient Norse. Like, I would, I would know the, the symbols, but I have no idea what it's saying, right? If I came up upon that, if you came up upon that, and you picked it up, and you tried to, like, figure out what that means, you could not do it unless you had help. Because what you would end up having to do is you just have to make stuff up. You just have to decide, okay, like, this symbol is going to be a Y because it kind of looks like a Y, but who knows, right? And that kind of looks like an R and like a T, but like, what is this, like, backwards F thing, right? Like, I, like, you just have to make it up. That when we're learning something like that, we need someone to instruct us. We need someone to help us. We need someone to teach us. And when we talk about the things of God, I think of it, and I think it's akin to learning a foreign language. And when we talk about the things of God, when we talk about what we want to know about God and who He is and all these things, that we can't figure it out on our own. That the best we can do is make up things unless somebody teaches us and somebody tells us what the things of God are like and about. Now the beauty of God is that God knows that. That God fully understands that for us to understand anything about Him, that we need somebody to instruct us and teach us. And the beautiful thing is He said, but, and, and I, I don't want it to be that way. I want to send help. But what's even crazier is the solution wasn't, I'm just going to send down a book or I'm just going to send. His solution was, I'm going to do it myself. And so we have all of Scripture is the story of God interacting with people to show and tell who he is. And if you're, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, right, there's the Old Testament, there's the New Testament, and, and the, they're separated by the person of Jesus. And so in the Old Testament, God came down and he spoke to people and he, he uh, spoke through prophets and all these kind of things and, and all that. Ultimately, Jesus comes and he is the full representation of who God is. And he comes down and reveals who he is and what his heart is and what it, that's all about. But then ultimately, he goes and he dies on a cross for all of us, and he's buried and he resurrects, and then he ascends to heaven. And I want to pose a question to you, and this might be like a weird question. You might be like, that seems like an odd question, but just for the sake of argument, if God were to come to you in that moment and say, hey, I want to give you, uh, uh, Jesus is, I'm thinking about bringing him back up to heaven, but like, what would you choose? Would you want him to stay on earth? Or would you want him to go to heaven? Right? If, if it were up to you, would you have chosen for Jesus to stay here on earth? It feels like the answer to that question is yes, right? Like, why would you say no to that? And that's Jesus. Right? Like, he's, he's the one who did the one thing for me, the one thing for all of us that we could never do for ourselves. Why would I not want him here on earth? But yet when Jesus talked about that, Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus, talking about whether or not he should stay or go, he says, it's actually to your advantage if I go away. 
because then I can send the helper. And so their idea is the Holy Spirit is more of an advantage to us right now than Jesus. And I, I get that that sounds like a crazy provocative statement for how much we talk about Jesus. And rightly so, Jesus is awesome. But the idea is right now the Holy Spirit is more of an advantage to us than Jesus is. Because what happened was Jesus was, was in heaven and he, uh, in, his, in his godness and his miraculousness, decided to come down to earth and to take all of his godness and, and subjugate it to this physical body, which means that Jesus was now in a physical place. And he ultimately went to the cross and he died and he rose again and he got his new resurrection body which is really cool and can do some awesome really cool things and he appears in places where he's not and he can move around and all this kind of he's got these crazy God Holy Spirit spirit body powers I don't know what they're called but even that he can still only be in one place at a time he can still only be in one place in that moment but the Holy Spirit can be everywhere in every moment. And so it is more of an advantage to us because the Holy Spirit can be with every single one of us here, every single person who's in a uh, church right now around the U.S., around the world. On a, he can be with every single one of us in exactly that moment infinitely. And so that is more of an advantage to us right now than Jesus is. But I'm curious, as we talk about the Holy Spirit and we think about Him as this advantage to us, I'm wondering about this question. How often do we think about and spend time in relationship with the Spirit? Like, I hear in churches all the time, relationship with God. I hear in church all the time, people talk about a relationship with Jesus. I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you like to listen to preachers and and podcasts and all that kind of stuff, but uh, there's a guy by the name of Tony Evans. Uh, he's a pastor, he's a teacher, he's an author, he's a speaker, he's uh, just a, a, a brilliant man, uh, com great communicator. He has a, a quote that he talks about the Holy Spirit, and he says this, the Holy Spirit is a person to be known, not just a force to be utilized. Many people want the Spirit's power and want the Spirit's present presence who don't want to relate to the Spirit's person. And when you pursue his power and presence, but not want to deal with his person, then you miss who he is. We talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, but a lot of times what we talk about is what the Holy Spirit can do. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talk about empowering of the Holy Spirit. We talk about filling of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the things that he can do. But how often do we talk about person of the Holy Spirit? How often do we sit in relationship with the Holy Spirit? I mean, for a second, I want you to think. Think about relationships in your life. I want you to think about this. Have you felt valued and respected by someone else when you know all that matters to them is what you can give them, what they can get from you, or what you can do for them? Have you ever been in a relationship where that's true? Have you ever been in a relationship where you know the other person, the only thing that matters to them is what you can give them? The only thing that matters is what they can get from you. The only thing that matters to them is what you can do for them. 
And in that type of relationship, have you ever felt valued and respected? We can't think of the Holy Spirit just as force. The Holy Spirit is not just a power to be used. The Holy Spirit is a person, is a being that has feelings, and has consciousness. It's not like Star Wars, right? Star Wars has the force, and it's this thing that's in everything, right? And it, it, it encapsulates everything, but it's something that people in the Star Wars universe use and manipulate any way they want to get the things they want or to do the things they want, and then they just kind of forget about it again, and they come back to it when they want to use it again. That is not the Holy Spirit. He's not something that we can come to and say, okay, hey, vending machine, I need this thing. Okay, now that I've got that, I can walk away. Holy Spirit is a person, and we need to start thinking about the Holy Spirit in that way, and we need to think about what does it mean for me to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to me to relate to the Holy Spirit as a person? And what the Bible says is once we do that, when we figure that out, when we understand that reality and we start engaging that relationship, then the Holy Spirit's like, all right, let's go, let's do this. And it says this in John. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. When we engage the right way, when we understand that we're not just engaging a force to be used, but we're engaging a person in relationship, the Holy Spirit says, all right, I'm all in. And it says that the Holy Spirit will dwell with you and will be in you. Now, what does that mean? The first idea when it talks about dwelling with you is it's somebody who's going to walk alongside you. Somebody who's going to experience life with you. Think in terms of a best friend, right? For right now, I want you to think of whoever that best, your best friend, whoever that is, right? They might be sitting next to you. Uh, If they're not, don't let them know that because they might think they are. Um, Think of your best friend. Now, my guess is there's a lot of kind of qualities and things about that person that you really like and stuff, but I would venture to guess that for most people, the reason that that person is your best friend is because of all of the things that they've experienced in life along with you. All of the memories that you've made along the way. All the ups and the downs, the support. That they are your best friend because they know all of the stuff you've gone through and they're still there. That they know all of the, the great things and all of the bad things, that they can remember all these stories and you can laugh together and you can reminisce together and you can cry together and all these things. That's why they're your best friend. This is what they're talking about. When the Holy Spirit says, I will dwell with you, it's like, I want to be your best friend. I want to be the person who walks through life with you. I want to be the person right next to you that goes through all of the experiences that you've ever had, that you will have. And then we can reminisce about them and we can laugh about them and we can cry about them, but I'm going to walk through all of it right with you. Then it also says, be in you. And that means the Holy Spirit knows your feelings, knows your emotions, knows your thoughts, knows your desires. The Holy Spirit is in you and knows all of the stuff that's going on inside more than anybody else does. Because we can put on an act for other people and we can put on a facade and we can put on a mask but we can't for the Holy Spirit because He knows all of that stuff that's going on inside of you. 
And so not only is he, the Holy Spirit walking through life with you and experiencing all these things and creating all these memories and great, but he also knows everything that's going on inside as you're doing that. And this is an, this is an intimate relationship, and that doesn't happen with a force. That happens with a person. So if, if, if we get all that right, if we can understand that, if we can engage in the right way, and the Holy Spirit, He will then step in, then what will happen is we will unlock all kinds of power. We will unlock all kinds of amazing things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And, and I don't have enough time to talk about all of them this morning, but we're going to talk about one of them. We're going to talk about one thing the Holy Spirit does this morning. In John 14, it says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If we engage this correctly, if we get this right, the Holy Spirit's like, man, I got some things I want to teach you. I got some things I want to show you. I got some truths that you need to know, and I'm going to do it. Now, I want to be clear. When it says teacher of all th teach you all things, it does not mean that the minute you become a Christian, you will all, all of a sudden you have infinite knowledge about everything there is to know, right? It's not promising you that. It's not promising you that you're going to know everything about everything there ever is. What it means is I'm going to teach you the things that you need to know about who God is. I'm going to teach you all the things you need to know about what it means to have a relationship with God. I'm going to teach you all the things it means to stay connected to him to live for him I'm going to teach you all that stuff and here's the thing if there's anybody we'd want to do it it's the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians it says this yet among the mature we do impart wisdom although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The Holy Spirit is the most qualified teacher that we could have. give you a, a, a little idea of maybe what we're talking about here. Maybe help you understand it a little bit better. Yesterday, I went golfing with some guys uh, from church and uh, had a great time. Uh, Chris is in the back, uh, got us onto his golf course. It was a great time. I don't know if you know this, Chris is a really good golfer. Now, if somebody were to come to me and say, hey, Derek, you have a choice. You can have Chris teach you how to golf or you can have Tiger Woods teach you how to golf. No offense, Chris. I'm picking Tiger Woods. Not, nothing personal. 
But man, Tiger Woods is maybe the greatest golfer of all time. He probably has forgotten more about golf than I'll ever know. If I'm going to choose someone to teach me that sport, if I, I, want, I want Tiger Woods because he's the most qualified to teach me about that. This is what we're talking about, that he is the most qualified because he is the only one who can search the depths of God and say, here's what you need to know. He is by far and away the most qualified teacher that we could have when it comes to the things of God. Now, some of you might be sitting there going like, Derek, this sounds really, really cool. This sounds really, really good, but is it actual, like, is it real? Like, does this actually happen? Like, does the Holy Spirit actually teach things? Does he actually, like, teach us stuff? I want to show you a story. It's in the book of Acts. It's about a guy named Peter, where the Holy Spirit does this and teaches Peter truths about who God is and about what he's doing. And so some backstory, there's uh, this guy, his name is Cornelius. He's not an Israelite, he's not a Jew, he's not uh, in the people of God. And he has a vision, an angel comes, and an angel comes down and says, hey, there's this guy Peter, I want you to send some people, get Peter, bring him back to you, because Peter's got some stuff he needs to tell you. So Cornelius is like, well, okay, angel, yeah, let's do it. Send some guys to go find Peter. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 10, the story. It says this, The next day, as they, these are the guys from Cornelius, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And so Peter goes up on this roof and he has this vision of this sheet and all this kind of stuff. And there's some context you need to know. If, if you're unaware, we talked earlier about Old Testament, New Testament. In the Old Testament, there was, there was all these rules for the people of Israel. There was all these laws that God had put out. This is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to think. This is how you're supposed to behave. This is how you're supposed to cleanse yourself. This is what you're supposed to eat. All these laws, right? And the idea was you had to try to keep all of them. And the whole purpose of all that was to show, like, you, we could never live up to that standard. Like, we could never do the things we need to do to have the right relationship with God. And so we need somebody to fix it, and that's where Jesus comes in. But this is where Peter lives. He lives in this life where, for the longest time, he has lived by these rules. And he's followed them, and he's obeyed them. And so in this vision, it comes down, and there's all these things. And he's like, well, I, I can't because the law says I'm not supposed to eat those things. 
And I'm not going to start now because I've never done that before. And the Spirit says to Peter, like, you need to change your thinking. You need to learn something. I'm trying to teach you something, that God is doing something that to you is new and different. It's not to him. That's been the plan all along. But to you, it's something new and different. And Peter's like, I don't, I don't get this. This seems to go against everything that I understand and everything that I've known for so long. And so these men come, and they're like, hey, Peter, you need to come with us because this guy Cornelius sent us because he had a vision from an angel. And Peter's like, all right, let's go. And so he goes to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius is like, hey, are you Peter? And he's like, yeah, I'm Peter. This is, the, this is the Derek version, just so you know. This isn't like the actual scripture. Um, and, and Cornelius says, hey, are you Peter? He's like, yeah, I'm Peter. He's like, hey, I had an angel. It came down. It, it said, you have some things to, t- to tell me. So we're like all here. We're all ears. Like, whatever it is, like, tell us. We're ready. So it says this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who, one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He preaches the gospel to Cornelius. And this is what happens. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who, were, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Peter gets there and they're like, what do you have to tell us? And he preaches the gospel. And as he's preaching the gospel, these people believe. And the Holy Spirit descends on them. And Peter is like, what is happening? This is so outside of what I expected. This is so outside of what I believed was possible. The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, Peter, I'm teaching you something new. See, the gospel isn't just for Israel. The gospel's for everybody. And you need to understand this so that you don't try to hold it to yourselves and you don't try to keep it to yourselves, but that you go and share this with the world. this is a moment where the Holy Spirit is teaching Peter truths about who God is, about God's heart for people. And Peter gets it. He gets it. He understands. When he sees it, he says, can anyone withhold water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. It's a rhetorical question, right? He knows the answer. He understands it. And he's being taught something new. 
What's even crazier is word of this gets out. Word of this gets out, and it gets out to Jerusalem, and the people in Jerusalem are like, this can't be real. Like, this can't be what's actually happening. This doesn't jive with what we've always known about us being the people of God if the Holy Spirit has descended to these people. And so Peter hears this, and so Peter goes back to Jerusalem, and it says this. He, he shares with them the story. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell out of them, just as on us at the beginning. He's like, it wasn't different. This wasn't like a, a, a totally different thing that was happening. This is exactly the same way it happened to us. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Peter learns and is taught by the Holy Spirit, man, there's, there's a different way you need to think. God's heart is for everyone. You need to understand that. And then Peter gets it, and then he hears about what's going on in Jerusalem. He's like, well, now I've got to share this with them. I've got to help them understand this truth. And he goes down, and he's like, what you're hearing is true. It's just like it happened with us. And everybody there goes, well, who are we? to stand in God's way. That we need to change our thinking. That we need to learn from the Holy Spirit of what's really going on and what this really means. And there's one more thing about, when we talk about this teaching of the Holy Spirit, there's one more thing that I need to make readily clear and readily apparent. Um, and I think it's a, a very, very important point. I think it's something that's really, really important for us to understand as it relates to what the Holy Spirit's going to do. In John chapter 16, it says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore I said what He will take, that He will take what is Mine and declare it. To you. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the Holy Spirit teaching us all these things, there's this important thing where he says he will guide you into all the truth. And it's important for us to remember this because here's what, the, here's what guiding doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that he's going to drive you into it. He's not going to push you. He's not going to force you. He's not going to carry you into truth. It's, it's the idea of a, a, a loving hand on your shoulder that's guiding you where to go. But if we decide to stop, he's going to stop. If we decide to turn another direction, he's, gonna, he's not going to pull us back. He's not going to pick us up and say, well, you're going to come learn this thing no matter what. But he is going to guide us into all truth, but we have to be willing to be guided there. We have to be willing to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I want to learn those truths. Take me where you need me to go. Take me where you want me to go. And so, as we think about all that, and as we close out, I want to pose this question to you. And this is a, 
This is a pointed question, and this is a personal question, and nobody can answer this question except you. Nobody can answer it for you. Nobody can force you to answer it in a certain way. You're the only one who can answer this question. Do you look to the Holy Spirit in relationship to find truth, or do you search for it on your own? And when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the things of God, do you lean into the Holy Spirit? Do you look to Him in relationship and say, hey, I want you to teach me, or would you rather rely on your own ability to discern what you think is true about God? Do you rely on your own ability? Or do you lean into Holy Spirit? And this is what we all have to answer. We all have to answer this question for ourselves. Because again, He's not going to force you. And so if the answer to this is, yeah, I, I, I search for it on my own. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm a smart person. Like I'm a wise person. I think I can figure it out. Then the Holy Spirit say, okay, go for it. If we say, no, I, I want you to lead me and guide me into truth. He's like, all right, let's go. I got all kinds of things to show you. I want you to imagine for a second. I want you to imagine for a second that what if this was a place where the answer to this question was, I want to look to the Holy Spirit. Imagine if this was a group of people who said, I want to look into the Holy Spirit. I want to look to Him for truth. Imagine what this place could be like. Imagine if we were like Peter, that when the Holy Spirit prompts, we go, okay, I'm going. Imagine if we were a group of people and we were a place that, like Peter, when we heard this truth and we learned it, we said, well, other people need to know this truth as well. We live in a world where truth is so muddied right now. It is hard to understand and know what is truth and what isn't. And there are so many people outside these walls who are desperately searching for truth. And they're grasping at anything that they think they can find that feels like or sounds like truth. Imagine if we were a people and we were a place and we were a church that we would lean into the Holy Spirit and say, we want you to be the one that teaches us truth so that we can then go out and teach others about truth. And you're right there with me as I go and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna dwell with me and you're going to be in me and, and you're going to be a part of it. But imagine what could happen. Imagine what people would feel. Imagine what people would experience. Imagine what they would see in this place if we were a people that would do that. God, I think it's absolutely incredible. I think it's absolutely incredible that you understood that we would never be able to figure out the things of you without help. And your solution to that was you. Was you. Who better to tell us about you than you? And I pray that as we look at you and try to understand the things about you and the things that matter about you, that we would look to the Holy Spirit not as a power or a force that we can use or a vending machine that we can go to and we can say thank you for this thing and forget about it, but that we go to the Holy Spirit in relationship and we let Him guide us into the truth that He wants us to know.
and that we then in turn would take that into the world around us. I thank you that you are the teacher of all things and that you intimately know everything that we need to understand about who God is and you want to teach us those things. I pray that we would lean into that. We would, we would lean away from our own power and our own ability to try to understand things, searching for it on our own, and we would lean into a relationship with the Holy Spirit to be guided into truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming this morning. Uh, if you're... Uh, If you're newer, we'd love to connect with you. If you uh, didn't stop by the first, test, first guest tent on the way out, I'd encourage you to, or stop by the Connection Center in the lobby. Uh, if you have any questions, I'm, I'm available. Uh, if you need someone to pray for you, come let me know. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.